As we come to the scripture, let me ask you to turn, please, to, turn, please, to um, Romans in chapter five. Romans chapter five, please. In a moment, I want to read verses uh, one through 11. Romans chapter five, please. You'll find again in your bulletin this uh, prayer of illumination that's from Psalm 119. And I would uh, ask that we pray this together as we come to the scripture. Let's pray. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that have come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Amen. Romans chapter five and verse one. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. And then together we say, the grass withers, the flower falls, the word of the Lord remains forever. Paul's making a turn here, and you can see it in the first word of this passage, therefore. That is, he's saying, now I'm gonna draw something out of what I've already said. I'm gonna draw conclusions from what I've already said. In fact, I would suggest that as we hit this point in the book of Romans, that now everything that he writes is based on what he's written. Everything that he writes to us uh, is contained in this, therefore, thus, all right? And, and he, he doesn't uh, even force us, if you will, to, to rethink what he's just said. He tells us what he's just said. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's been his point all along. He began, remember, with the, with the word of the gospel in chapter one, verse 18, where he said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, you see. For in it, the righteousness of God um, uh, is manifest, is declared to us, is revealed um, by faith. For just as it is written, the just shall live, the righteous shall live by faith. 
There's this righteousness of God that's a gift, this righteousness of God that comes to us through faith, not through our, our works, our own righteousness, our own obedience. So he's beginning to lay that out. And, and then he goes through and he says, essentially, that we've all sinned, that none of us can merit this righteousness. None of us is, is righteous. In fact, much of what Paul is doing here is he's, and we'll see this especially in the middle by the time we get to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, after this passage, we'll see he's, he's talking to us as, as a we, as, as human beings, as a we. Um, Lorraine Canister, who's part of our church, uh, usually sits right there, um, wrote a book called more the same than different. And um, if you know Lorraine, she has cerebral palsy. And this book is about how we're all more the same than we are different because so often in her life, people seem to see the difference. And she wants to say, no, 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 I'm, I'm a person. And, and the book is about how to, how, to, how to love, how to be with folks who are wheelchair bound. And so that's of interest. You should buy this book contact Lorraine or contact me. But anyway, I love the title. The dedication is really cool, too. You should, you should read that. It's t- to me. Anyway, um, but uh, uh, just this sense. Uh, that, that, and, and Paul knows that. And so he lays this out and he says, you know, we're the same. We're all sinners. Whatever else we may distinguish amongst ourselves, it, it's irrelevant at this point for our salvation because we're all sinners. That's the, that's the point of it. We've all we all fall short of the glory of God. He created us to image him. He created us to reflect him. We're his glory. We're to glorify him. And, 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 and we, f- we fall short of that because of our sin. And thus we're under his wrath. That's his point. And none of us can do anything about that. But then he says, there is this righteousness of God that comes through faith. Faith in Jesus. He's our Redeemer, he's redeemed us. He's paid the price by his death to set us free from the penalty and power of sin. He's, he's, um, uh, he's our propitiation. He's satisfied, he extinguished the wrath of God so that there's no case against us and, and God isn't angry with us. Uh, he satisfied God's wrath um, and, and, and thus through faith, you see, then we're justified. It's the only way to come. It's the only way to come to God. There's no other way. So we come by faith in Jesus, not trusting ourselves, but trusting him. And what he did through his death and his life, paid for our sins and his righteousness is then given to us so that we can be declared by God, right with him, justified. And then he, he gives us even a, a deeper detail of that. And he just says, it's always been this way. This has always been God's plan. Look at Abraham. And he shows us that Abraham too is justified uh, by faith. And, and now he comes and he says, since we still this corporateness. It doesn't include every human being now. Now it's the we, meaning those who have come to faith in Jesus. Thus, those who have been justified through faith. That's happened. It's a done deal. If you're a Christian, it's, 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 this is the past part of our salvation. 
right? There's a present part of our salvation as well as that we're being saved in the midst of this world being sanctified. There's a future hope that we'll talk about as well in our salvation. But, but we have been justified. That begins it all, you see. That's the start of it. And now he's going to say, this is, these are the results of having been justified by faith. These, this, we could call it the fruits, I suppose, of justification by faith. He says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if there could be a more important thing for a human being to know that you have peace with God. That's the result of having been justified, you see, being declared righteous. And what he's saying is, before that time, there wasn't peace with God. God himself was at odds with you. Now, in a moment, as you may have caught as I was reading, verse 10 says that while we were enemies, there was a time when the we who are now justified, there was a time when we were enemies, not at peace with God. I suppose in one way or another, uh, many of us could say there are people who... (laughs) don't like us very well. Perhaps you'd count them as your enemies in some way. And, 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 and I don't know how you deal with that, but obviously nations have enemies, and we deal with that in particular ways. But can you imagine, and we have to because of the reality of it, to have God as your enemy? You would realize, that's an enemy I could never defeat, you see. It's an enemy I could never defeat. God, the king, the ruler of all that there, there is. And he says, now that we've been justified, there is not only this declaration of peace, but this reality, this reconciliation, this reality of, of peace with God. And when Paul writes here, he's not talking about what we can talk about when we talk about peace and God, he's not talking about the peace of God. That is this, this security, this, this calm in our souls, if you will, as Paul would write to the church in Philippi in chapter four of Philippians, and he said there's this peace that passes understanding. Now, that flows from justification, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about this objective peace that's taken place, the end of hostility, the end of the war, if you will, the end of the wrath of God towards us. And so uh, we realize that, that this wrath of God that's towards us, this righteous response of God to our sinfulness, our rebellion against him, um, is real and had to be dealt with and was dealt with through the cross. Thus bringing peace, you see. And he says, now that you've been justified, you have peace with God. There's, there's reconciliation. Uh, he's no longer at odds with you. There's no longer any case against you. His wrath isn't towards you. He's not angry with you. <laughs> there's, real, there's real peace. That's simply true. And, 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 and I say that because on the one hand, we could have a false peace. We could think everything's okay between us and God when it really isn't. And that's a very dangerous position to be in. I remember once talking with a 
person who said to me, we're talking about the relationship with God and kind of shrugged shoulders and said, I'm good with God. My mother's a godly woman and I know she prays for me, so I'm fine with God. And I said, well, not on that basis. You have to be fine with God through faith in Jesus. But he, he was living in this, this sense of peace. I, I'm fine because my mom prays for me. I'm good. And, and, and I, well, I would never discourage his mom from praying for him. But I would want to redirect her prayers and say, your son needs to come to faith. Then he'll have real peace with God. And so sometimes we can have this sense of the peace of God when there isn't any, any, any peace. It's sort of like... I remember some years ago uh, going to my doctor and I said, I feel fine. He said, you're not. <laughs> you have cancer. And then some years later, I said, I feel even better. And he says, well, it's come back. Uh, and, and, and that's spiritually a dangerous place to be where you feel fine, but yet you're not. And on the other hand, bless us, there are folks who are fine, who have a hard time really grabbing hold of that. There are a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes it's simply temperamental. Um, sometimes it's a lack of understanding. So, so Paul tells us, you, you, you have peace with God. That's the fruit of Justification. You've been reconciled. You are no longer to him, his enemy. Now in an astounding way, you're his friend. You're his friend. You have peace with him. And this is important. It's important for us, you see, to know this, 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 this peace, because we, it means we don't need to live afraid of the wrath of God. When difficulties come into our lives, very often we think, oh, God must be mad at me about something, or, or maybe this is really his wrath. But as a believer, it's not his wrath. That's been quenched. That's been satisfied. It might be discipline, perhaps, and, and we'll see in a moment God's purposes for difficulties coming into our lives, but, but, but we mustn't fear the wrath of God, and thus we mustn't even fear, we mustn't fear death. You mustn't fear death. The scripture says the sting of death is, is sin. It's already been dealt with. So we needn't, we needn't fear it. And then when accusations come, I, I don't know about you, but it's easy in our own consciences, our own minds. Paul refers to this in Ephesians chapter six as the fiery darts of the evil one. They, they come these accusations against us. How can you say that you're a, a Christian after what you've just said or what you've just thought or what you've just done? How, how can you believe yourself to be a Christian in, 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 in that? And, and we have to go back. And what we have to do with that is go back to the cross. And we have to say, yes, I, I agree that that was a sin. I believe, I, I agree that was a, a sinful thought, a sinful behavior, um, a th- sinful thing that I said. And I confess that, I repent. I know that I've been redeemed. The price has been paid. John Newton, who was a slave trader, as we know. And it's so easy. I, I know when I 
sing a John Newton hymn. And I think about that, that he was a slave trader. But it's good for me to pause and to think about his life, to pause to think about what that really meant, what he actually did, what he actually saw in his life. And I don't do that to demean John Newton, but simply to say that he was a man who then came to faith in Jesus, knew he was justified, knew his sins were forgiven, even those sins. So when you look at your life, and you got to, to, to see those sins, you know. And everybody knows what those sins are in your life. And we have to look at those sins, and we have to say, I've been justified by faith in Jesus, not on my own doing, but his. I've been just, the sins have been paid for. Thus, I know that I have peace with God. He no longer views me as enemy. There's no longer hostility between us. We're reconciled together. I really know that. In fact, in one of Newton's hymns, he, he, he has a verse, one of his poems, it became a hymn, uh, that, uh, that expresses how he deals with those thoughts It's this one out of a a hymn called Approach My Soul, The Mercy Seat. It says, Be thou my shield and hiding place that sheltered near thy side. I may my fierce accuser face and tell him thou hast died. In other words, when the accuser comes to accuse us, when the accuser came to accuse John Newton of the sins he knew were sin, He would simply say, Christ has died. Sins forgiven. Guilt is gone. And when I say that, I I suspect perhaps like me, you start thinking, but I feel guilty about not being guilty. I mean, am I allowed to think that thought? Am I allowed to think the thought that thought that I'm not guilty when I know I am? I mean, uh, am I allowed to think the thought that I'm righteous even though I'm not? I, am I allowed to think those, those thoughts? And God says, yes. Jesus says, yes. That's why I came. I came to, to relieve you of that. I, I came so that, 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 that you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think like that anymore. I came that you wouldn't feel guilty about not being guilty, feeling guilty. I, I, I came that you, you, would, you, you would not feel guilty about not being righteous. That you would know that I'm your righteousness. You have peace. There's peace. Peace between us. Have you ever had a situation with a friend or maybe a family member, maybe your spouse, maybe one of your kids, maybe your parent, and, and there had been something and there was a, a breach between the two of you and, 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 and then it got, it got fixed. I mean, it got forgiven and, and dealt with and all of that, but yet there still was this funny feeling between the two of you. And somehow or another, in order to make that really right, you had to be able to say, there's peace there's going to be, there's peace between us. And that's what the Lord says to us, there is this peace. Second aspect of, I don't think I'll get through all 11 verses, will I? Um, second aspect of, of 
our justification, fruit that comes from it, verse two. He says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So now he says, we've obtained access by faith into this grace to which we stand. In other words, the way that we get into this grace, this grace of justification, is through faith. And thus, we can stand. Remember how he put it in chapter four, verse 16. He says, that is why it, that is this justification by faith, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Now remember when we went through that particular uh, expression, we said, all right, justification depends on faith that its promise may, be, may rest on grace. That is, so it's a gift to us. It's a gift to us. It's not anything we've earned. Therefore, it isn't anything we can disearn, if you will. It isn't, it, it, it isn't merited, so we can't demerit it on our own. Uh, it depends on faith, and it comes on, uh, rests on grace, that it can be guaranteed. Because if it depended on you or me, there's a good chance we'd flub it up some way. But it doesn't. It depends on Christ. And he's already done it. And he can't do anything wrong. He can never err. And so now he says it this way, through him, through faith in Jesus, we have obtained access, that we, we have this introduction into grace. And we stand in it. That word stand means we won't be moved. We're planted, if you will. Love this expression in uh, Colossians, in chapter one, verse thirteen. He says, "He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." That little word, um, "transferred us," could be translated and is in certain ways transplanted us, transplanted us. It's moved us from one and planted us so we can stand there. It's a permanent thing. In fact, that's really the theme here. Paul's expressing to us that since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have this assurance, sins forgiven, righteousness declared. We really do belong to him and we've gained access by faith. Do you remember the story in the scripture of, about Queen Esther. Remember Esther and Mordecai? If you don't, spend some time this week. It's a wonderful uh, um, illustration and reality of the, of the providence and the graciousness of God to his people. But you might remember that Esther was in a, a bit of a pickle. Mordecai had said, you need to talk to the king. And she said, I can't talk to the king unless the king summons me. I, I sort of need, I need something to be able to get in. And, and, and you remember in those days, if the king let out his scepter to someone they were allowed in, they could come in. And if they didn't, they might be killed by even, even suggesting that they should enter into the presence of the king. Well, that's the picture here. It's, it's that Jesus is our scepter, if you will. And, and, and this, through him, we, we were introduced into this grace, we come through him. And so now we gain access into this grace of justification. And we hear this word, act, 
access, you get the sense that I'm in. You get the sense that I have access to God because I've been justified through faith in Jesus. I live in it. I live in his, I live in his presence. So then, Matthew 6, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount just sends bells and whistles off in our heads because we really get it now. We live in the presence of God. So when he says, therefore, I tell you, verse 25, Matthew 6, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you drink, about your body, what you put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and let your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you can add, by being anxious, can add a single hour to, his, to the span of his life? And what about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither spin nor uh, toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Um, don't be anxious, he says. And you want to say, don't you see the world in which I live? <laughs> How do you tell me not to be anxious? How can I live without anxiety? Didn't you see the news last night, Lord? I mean, how can you say don't be anxious? And he says, well, because you're at peace with me. Because you have access to me, to my very presence. We can pray. How does he say it, the author of Hebrews? How does he say it? He says, come to the throne of grace How? Boldly. Not sheepishly. Boldly. Why? Because through faith, we're justified. We have peace with God. We can come right into his presence. Got Old Testament stories going through my mind this morning. Do you remember Mephibosheth? I preached about Mephibosheth a long time ago. You should read about it, 2 Samuel 4, 2 Samuel 9. So Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul. And Jonathan was best friends with David, who was the anointed king, even while Saul was king, and Jonathan was heir to the throne. It's a funny little triangle there. But their friendship, Jonathan and David's, was such that they entered into a covenant with each other, a binding covenant of loyal love friendship. And in that covenant together, they pledged that if one or the other was attacked, that the other would come and defend. If one or the other needed anything at all, materially or otherwise, the other would supply it. And that included not just their relationship, but also the relationship of of anyone they were related to, particularly their children. And so Jonathan and Saul one day were killed in battle. And when that happened, the, the household of Saul kind of went crazy. They were afraid. And so 
uh, everybody in the palace fled the palace thinking, okay, now David's probably going to come and kill us all. And so one of the nurses picked up this little five-year-old boy named Mephibosheth, who was Jonathan's son, and as they were running out, dropped him, and he broke both his legs. So he was lame for the rest of his life in his, in his legs, but they went off to hiding. Well, then some years later, uh, David is musing, and he says to himself, is there anyone left in the household of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. That's covenantal language. He says, I know I'm in, I was in relationship with Jonathan, and, and I'm to be kind, I'm to, to be loyal, I'm to show covenant love, kindness to, to all of his offspring, and I don't even know if there are any. So he asked the question, and someone came to him and said, yeah, there's this Mephibosheth, he's in hiding because he doesn't know about the covenant that you had with his father, and he's in hiding thinking that because he's related to the former prince that you might kill him. David says, go get him. And he brings him. And you can only imagine how frightened Mephibosheth must be. He's probably heard all these terrible stories about David. And, 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 and so there he is now, lame, and he is in the presence of David. And David says, don't be afraid. I, I want you to move back in. I want you to eat at my table every day. I want you to live in my presence. And there you'll live. And that's what God has done to us through Jesus. Mephibosheth would have access to David through this covenant that was made. He had nothing to do with it. It was a covenant between his dad and David. But he was in it. And now he was living at peace with the king and lived in his presence. That's where we are, people. A covenant has been made between father and son. And we're in it. That's why Ephesians chapter one, verse three is so precious. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, who has chosen us in him. We're in that covenant. And the day comes when we hear the gospel and we believe. So I always pray for the little ones that we baptized that a day would come when they would hear the gospel and believe, you see. They'd be in it. And so we live in the very presence of God and we have access to him because we have peace with God. I'm not nearly finished, but I need to be for today. Let's pray. Father, please, I pray, enable us to be deeply and profoundly aware that we have peace with you. Let us know that we have access to you through this grace in which we cannot be moved. So please, I pray that you would to wake away doubts and fears, 
Take away the anxiety of the day from us. Let us know that you, through Christ, are for us. Thus, who could ever be against us? That even when our consciences or even the evil one himself may accuse us, that this can't all be true of us, that we can point to the cross and say, but he died. We can point to the empty tomb and say he rose. He was delivered up for our transgressions, transgressions, yet raised for our justification. So we can live in the peace of that because we have peace with God because we've been justified through faith in Jesus. This I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.